Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is the lamb. Where's the lamb? Yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast where we revisit the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 33. Thank you all for joining me once again. I hope you all have had a wonderful week since we've last spoken. Um, When you last heard me, I said that I was about to go to Colorado, but the day that that episode dropped was the day after I got back from Colorado. Uh, So I went to Colorado last week, and it was really, really fun. I hung out with my friend Madison, who doesn't listen to this podcast, (laughs) but that's fine. I still love her. Um, And I saw my friends Amber and Jake, and yeah, it was a great time. I hiked and I went to the International Church of Cannabis, which is this crazy cool church that has all of these beautiful like rainbow Technicolor murals painted inside of it. And they do this beyond experience, which is a guided meditation, which isn't really a guided meditation, but they call it that. And then it has this light show to all of these like Pink Floyd songs. It's really cool and very just like trippy and stonery and a really cool attraction if you're in Denver so I had a great time um, but I got to Colorado or I got back from Colorado late Monday night super super late on Monday and then I had to go to work on Tuesday and just you know had to like just jump back into my week jump straight into my regular week without any kind of downtime so that was a little bit hard but otherwise it was a good week um, so I also have a lot coming up in October. October is going to be a super busy month for me. Um, I have something that's planned for every weekend already um, and I have to go home to South Carolina back-to-back weekends because one weekend is my best friend's baby shower and then the other weekend my stepbrother is getting married. So it's two events that I really can't miss and I don't want to miss either Um, but that just kind of sucks because it's a lot going on. But I also have a lot of fun stuff kind of coming up on the podcast that I'm planning for. So if everything goes off without a hitch, it should all be pretty cool. Which kind of leads me to my next point of some of the stuff that I'm going to do. Um, So some of the stuff is going to just be some some cool guests that I have planned that are going to be coming up that I think you guys will enjoy. Um, And then the other thing that I'm really excited for is I'm planning on releasing some like Halloween spooky themed episodes. Uh, There's kind of, you know, I kind of thought about it a bit and there's a lot of reality TV that has to do with like Halloween or ghosts or spookiness in general. So I kind of wanted to start since the day that this episode will be released is the first day of spooky month is the first day of October. Um, So I want to start with of a Halloween themed episode. So that's why this week we are going back, we're talking about Real Housewives again, um, and we're gonna be talking about the Real Housewives of New York City. So my intention, honestly, I was kind of hoping that I would talk about another franchise of Real Housewives since I've already done New York City. But what I did is I actually went on um, on my podcast Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod um, and I asked on the little like Instagram stories feature if there are any Real Housewives episodes that are like Halloween themed or take place on Halloween or whatever. 
Um, and I did get a suggestion for this episode. Um, Taylor Anderson 87 is the person who suggested that. So thank you, Taylor. Um, but it was a Real Housewives of New York episode. And you know what? I kind of thought that one, it would be fun just to go back and do this because it's kind of, I kind of love just like the idea of me just dipping back into Real Housewives of New York specifically and just without any context just watching single episodes just like from individual seasons just one episode and not knowing anything that's going on other than what I've like read and gleaned and taken from the other episode that I've seen like the only other one which was actually an episode that happened later than the one that we're going to be talking about today but I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, Also, it really took a lot of pressure off of me because like I mentioned, I got back late Monday night. So I really only had like a little bit of time this week to get stuff done for this podcast. And I had a lot of other stuff I needed to get done, which a lot of I didn't do this week, just cleaning and chores and errands around the house and things like that. So it took some pressure off of me to be able to just do one episode and know that I don't have to put in a lot of effort of watching a whole season or multiple seasons of a show um, and doing a bunch of like background legwork and looking stuff up about the the characters because we've already talked about Real Housewives of New York City so I'm not going to do the background I'm not going to do like the where are they now just because we don't need to we've already talked about it I hope you guys don't mind Um, so that means that this episode will probably be shorter just because it's mostly just going to be the recap Um, but that's okay because I only have (laughs) a certain allotment of time that I'm allowed to use each month on the hosting website that I use which honestly I mean not to like get all talk shop about the back end of podcasting things I kind of chose one that if I had known what I was getting myself into I would not have chosen this particular company as the hosting website um it, it it's really easy to use and I like that but it's not the least expensive option um and it doesn't give me like a lot of time for what I'm paying so Suffice to say that I know since I have some uh, some guest episodes coming up and those tend to be longer than the ones that I'm when I'm just by myself, we'll save some time in my allotment for this month for my guests. So this episode will be a little bit shorter, most likely. All right, let's get into it. We are talking about season two, episode 10 um, of Real Housewives of New York City. It's called Unfashionably Late, um, and this actually originally aired on April 21st, 2009, uh, but it does take place around Halloween. It's a little, I guess it would have been Halloween 2008, wouldn't have, yeah, most likely, yep. Um, so it takes place around Halloween, but the Halloween portion of the episode is really very short and right at the end, so a lot of what I'm gonna talk about has nothing to do with Halloween. Uh, so it's not super, super Halloween themed, but I hope that you guys are all right with that. You know what? It's my podcast, so I can do what I want to. <laughs> all right. Everyone loves Real Housewives. Like, I don't think anyone dislikes it. Even I didn't dislike it when I started watching it, and I thought I would hate it. That's why I never watched it. So we get a previously on. This is really fun for me because I have no context whatsoever for this previously on. So I'm just going to tell you guys what I learned um Ramona called Bethany an underdog or said that Jill likes Bethany because Jill likes an underdog and Bethany did not like that um Jill bought a $16,000 bag because she can um which is kind of funny considering a little like plot line that happens with her later on this episode um and then Simon surprised Alex for her birthday but I guess the surprise started to get ruined or or something and he got flustered like that's what happened 
Okay, so we get our little theme song, and then we start. We open with Luann, um, the Countess, as I've learned. I don't, it's never, like, no, no one in this episode ever refers to her as a Countess, but I know that she is supposedly the Countess. All right, sorry, I'm back. I had to go off mic for a second and uh, throw my cat in the bedroom because you could hear him meowing on, on the end of that last, uh, last little bit. But I'm not going to cut that out because I don't have time to. Anyway, so we're at Luann's townhome on the Upper East Side. Um, so Luann tells us via her talking head that it's the end of October and her daughter Victoria is visiting home from boarding school for the first time. Um, so Victoria gets home and they greet each other, hug, la-di-da. Uh, Victoria immediately just tosses her coat on the stairwell and Luann has to be like, um, in the closet, like, who raised you? I raised you, you know better than that. Uh, and she kind of did that thing, like, where it was like, ha ha ha, like, I raised you better than that, sweetie, like, almost as if it were for the cameras, whereas if maybe, if she had just been home alone without the cameras there, it would have been like, yes, Rosie, our housekeeper, will pick that up, don't worry about a thing, sweetheart. Who knows? So they have decaf coffee, they have decaf cappuccinos, um, Luann, for some reason, like, make sure to specify that they're having decaf, I guess, because it's like 3 p.m. or something. So then Victoria launches into this charming story about, you know, life at school and um, tells about how she and her friend went shopping and her friend took her to Goodwill for the very first time and how she didn't know what Goodwill was. Like, she knew that it was a consignment store. She didn't know the word consignment. She's like, a store where you, like, take things <laughs> and sell them. Um, but she, I guess she had never been to Goodwill. She didn't understand, like, the whole, like, customer experience at Goodwill. Um, and she was, she loved it. <laughs> she said that she, you know, she was so surprised everything was like a dollar and she got some nice scarves and she got like two nice cashmere sweaters and it was like $9 in total for everything. And so Lu Luann tells her, she says, you've never gone up to a cash register and just paid $9 for anything in your life. I bet you were surprised or something, something to that effect. And it's just like, oh, rich people. Like, yeah, that's a great haul. I'm, I'm glad that we can all appreciate that, but <laughs> to say that, like, you've never paid $9 for anything, it's very, um, it's one banana, Michael, what could it cost, $10? So then Luanne asks about her roommates, Victoria says that she loves her roommates and that they're best friends, and I just said, like, sure, girl, like, see how things are in six months, because you're, like, 14 years old, 15 years old, I don't know how old she is, like, eh. Girls at that age living together in closed quarters, I think things will turn south very quickly. So while they make their decaf cappuccino with Splenda, again, they specify it's decaf and with Splenda. Um, Luann also asked Victoria about, like, the boys or the dances. It's a girls-only school, but there are dances, I guess, like guys come in from other schools or something. Victoria doesn't like the dances because it was all grinding. Or I guess they've had one dance so far. It was all grinding. And then I guess Luann doesn't understand what she means by that. So she's just like grinding. And Victoria calls it, she's like, you know, the dirty frog dance. And she's like, oh, yes, of course, the dirty frog dance. So I, I get, I mean, I'm sure this is stuff that I just don't know because I literally have never seen any anything else on the show other than one single episode from like the following season. But is, it, is the dirty frog dance a thing from this show? 
Or is it a thing from like real world that I've never experienced before? Or option C, is it not a thing? <laughs> like, is it a thing in this family that they are saying out loud on camera as if it's a real ass thing? Is the dirty frog dance a thing that anyone knows about? Because I am so, I was so confused. Because I just, I just love that Luann was like, grinding? What, what do you mean by, oh, the dirt, yes, the dirty frog dance. Come on. Yeah, call it by its name. Uh, <laughs> uh, so then they talk about all the stuff that they're going to do while while she's home um, go shopping get, yeah Luanna's just like rattling, rattling all this off she's like oh yeah of course like you need some clothes we'll go shopping you'll get a manicure oh do you want to go out to lunch I'm sure you're dying for Japanese food blah blah, blah all this stuff and I was just like man I wish my parents treated me like that when I came home I had to beg them for for stuff can we please go to the store? I need some shoes. They're falling apart. I mean, yeah, I'm like 12 years older than Victoria is in this scene probably. But even so, even still, when I was like 16 years old, when I, if I were at home, my parents would never be like, let's go out and go shopping and have lunch and like get a manicure. I have, I'd have to pay for all that shit on my own. That's why I had two jobs in high school. Come on. So in the next scene, we are with Jill. Um, so we are at Jill's condo on the Upper East Side. Um, so Jill tells us that the BBC is doing a tour around America to talk about the economy. And uh, Jill was connected with them through her sister, who has a radio show. And so the radio producers, they all get to her apartment and they set up to interview her. Jill is all very dressed up and well made up for her radio interview, naturally. Uh, so again, this was in 2008, so this was like at the, the depths of the recession. Uh, she asks when the interviewer will be airing, and her interviewer tells her that it's actually going to just be like that afternoon, which is kind of surprising for me. Like that seems like it's a pretty quick turnaround, but you know, they're the BBC, so like they know what the fuck they're doing. So the interviewer begins um, just asking about like her social life, you know, her life in general, what it's like living in New York. Um, and so Jill just like launches into like, oh, you know, the best thing about living in New York is the nightlife and all of the fabulous parties that you can go to as long as you can like afford a ticket. You know, there's all of these wonderful things to do. Um, and so he asks uh, what, what the tickets cost. And she mentioned one particular event that she had just gone to was $2,500 a ticket. Um, but that's on the high end. It's, you know, sometimes it's only 250 to $300 a ticket for like one night. Um, and then she plugs her own event, I guess, some some charity. I didn't write it down because I didn't want to give it any free sponsorship. Come on, Jill. Uh, I got to pay for that shit. Um, so, yeah, she plugs her own event. She's like, oh, I have to plug my own event. You know, it's been difficult to sell tickets in this economy. And so the interviewer kind of latches onto that, and he asks her to uh, kind of elaborate a little bit more, like, you know, tell about the difficult economy and he says that it's hard to see, like, you know, looking around her beautiful New York Upper East Side apartment. And Jill kind of takes a, she's taken aback at that. She's like, it's not hard to see here. Like, oh, no, not at all. Like, I feel it. All my friends feel it. You know, it's been hard to get sponsors to just write checks. And if anyone says differently, they're lying. And the interviewer, is like, he clarifies. He's like, well, you know, it's hard to see a crisis of the economy here in your fabulous apartment. And she's like, oh, yes, thank you. Yes, it is fabulous, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? And she's like, well, you know, we worked very hard for this apartment. And, oh, we'll just be staying here a long time in this economy. We're not looking to move. Just like, I got to give it to her. She does a, a pretty good job of deflecting everything. Um, 
she even says like oh you know this is the american dream if you work hard you can have it all um but it does take work you know so she does a pretty good job of deflecting because he's kind of like trying to nail her uh like nail her down with this whole like you're a spoiled little rich girl and you don't really understand the issues that people are really facing in this economy um but he doesn't let up so he he like basically asks her outright like so do you have any guilt living like this while there's an economic crisis like economic crisis around the entire world and even says like that you lot calls you people i guess just meeting you know rich folks i i love him for this but she uh still deflects um because he asks, like is there any guilt and she goes oh absolutely and then she just says um you know it's all caused by people just spending more than they make like that's it you know on every level it, whether it's personal in your family or in the government you can't spend more than you make because you know she just simplifies the entire global economic crisis down into that without touching on any of the other underlying socioeconomic factors and the widening wealth gap amongst the one percent how they have endless money and the billionaires are able to dodge taxes and those making poverty wages can't can't save more than they spend because of rising home prices i just you know i'm going off on everything but like it's just such a dumb ignorant thing to say of course someone who says like she's like well i've always lived like that and i've always been like i've never had a problem with money because i've never lived outside of my means it's like well nat no shit when you start out with more than enough means it's really easy to stay within them but like if you're struggling to get by and afford rent food and gas for your car then what are you gonna do lady like you gotta buy those things to be able to survive but, you know, despite all of her, her deflection, the interviewer is still really trying to, like, I don't know, stick it to her, make her feel bad. And he asks, like, well, what if someone, someone in Africa, say, says you shouldn't have as much money as you have? Or he says something to that extent. And she's like, well, you know, I, I agree. That's not fair. But life isn't fair. <laughs> and then she's like, but, you know, it's, fu it's funny that you mention Africa, you know, because I actually, my friend and I started a charity over there. Um, that we we started it's called Help for Orphans in Kenya, which is a horrible name for a charity. Like that's so boring. <laughs> um, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you know, we raise money to open a schoolhouse so that we can like teach people to fish rather than giving a fish." Yeah, and, and you know, it's just, it's just funny that you said Africa because you know we opened the schoolhouse last week. It's just very really gross and white savory the way that she says that but she's just like feels really good that she's like oh oh, oh you actually gave me that in to to give me that other plug for this wonderful thing that I'm doing um and then he says like oh why is life good and she's like because you know good life is good because I do good deeds I do good deeds every day uh she's elevator friendly she says a lot of people in New York aren't elevator friendly they won't hold the elevator door for you but she will um but yeah, and then after they leave, uh, she says in her little talking head that the BBC coming into her home and sharing the experiences of other people, like dealing with the economic crisis, was very eye-opening. So I really do hope Jill learned something from all of this, but I don't know. Last episode, she was apparently buying $16,000 handbags. Mm, probably not too much. So the next segment is Kelly. Um, Kelly is at a photographer's studio. She's getting headshots done. This is a pretty quick little segment. We just see her doing like a little photo shoot. She needs some recent pictures for her composite card. I guess uh, just like a quick little headshot 
card thingy that you can give to people so that you can get booked for different jobs I don't fucking know um she says that taking pictures isn't easy because you don't have any control over your image which is yeah like I can see that she says it kind of makes her insecure we see her in a couple of different outfits um some like distressed jeans and like a button down for more casual pictures and then at one point she changes it into this like black crocheted one piece bathing suit looking thing but then she goes on to say, and I was just thinking like, okay, yeah, like some sexy, you know, like kind of changed up and from like your casual outfit into your more like sexy outfit. That all makes sense. la di da But no, no, no. The black crochet bathing suit was specifically take, like those photos were specifically taken for her Halloween party invitations because she was saying like, oh, while I was here, I had a photographer take some photos of me for my Halloween party, like invitation. And that's the outfit that she puts on for those rounds of photos. So that's kind of funny. Um, so the pictures of her standing with her like legs spread out and her hands clasped above her head. Uh, she's going to be the A in the words happy and Halloween like on the card. And so she just like explains her vision I guess in a talking head and I will give it to her there's not a lot of Kelly Ben Simone in this episode but of what there is she does seem a lot more lucid than Scary Island like the episode that I previously recapped but still not all there like it's like the cheese was in the process of sliding off her cracker on this episode and by season three it was woof, all the way off um but she was saying like I'm gonna be the A but I'm like the A and I'm smiling so I knew that it would be provocative and fun and people would say oh my god that's so great that's so cool and they'd want to be a part of it and I'm like you're really you're really feeling good about this whole concept of you being the A in Happy Halloween um so I just thought that was kind of funny so the next segment is uh, back to Luann. It's Luann and Victoria out shopping. Um, first they're out on the street and they find this like street vendor selling jewelry and Victoria wants to wear or not wear. She wants to buy a piece of the jewelry like a necklace. Um, so they start to like talk to him haggle over the prices. So he tells her it's like $80 for Victoria's necklace and then there's another necklace that kind of matches it that Luann wants and he says oh no I can't sell that one for $80 that one's a hundred and so she's like well you know we're, we're, we want to buy these two and so at first I kind of thought that he was like just trying to like pull one over on her like scam her you know he could see oh yeah this rich lady's coming up here I'm gonna like jack the prices up and make some money off of her she'll pay whatever it doesn't matter um and so I was like kind of rooting for him because I was like yeah take her for all she's worth street vendor man but then she, Luann's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to buy two. How much, how much for two? And he's like, okay, how much did I say for that one? 80. And she's like, yep. And then Luann offers, she's like, what about, um, what about 150? And he like kind of thinks for a second. He's like, okay, yeah, I can do that. And I was like, no, dude, you were going to get 180. You said like, okay, 80 for that one and 100 for the other. At the very least, you should have gotten 160 because that would have been 80 and 80. But no, he gets swindled by Luann, and she gets her shit for 150 So, ugh, respect to her, I guess. But I was rooting for the street vendor. So then Luann and Victoria walk into this boutique called Cream. Um, Luann asks Victoria about getting a dress for the dance, but she says they just wear, like, jeans and t-shirts, so she doesn't really care. Um, Luann picks out a hat for Victoria, which is pretty ugly. It's, like, got a little bill and it's got like a little poof ball on it and it's brown it just isn't the cutest hat that exists 
Um, and Victoria says that she looks bad in hats because her eyebrows are too big. And then Luann says that her eyebrows can never be too big. Which maybe in 2008, I don't know, were we into the big eyebrows yet at that point? Maybe we're just starting to get there. But definitely in this day and age, like, she's on the right track. She probably has good eyebrows, especially if Luann, like, didn't let her wax or pluck them to shit. And so then Luann just begins shopping for herself. Um, so we get like a little shopping montage. At one point there's a voiceover where she says, I think Victoria loves to see me get dressed in the dressing room as if that's like anything fun for a 15 year old girl to do is like watch her mom shop while she's not doing anything. Um, Luann, or yeah, Luann picks out this uh, dress looking thing and Victoria tries to tell her, like she's a sensible one and she's just like, you bought something like exactly like that a month ago in gray. Like this is just a different color. Luann's like, oh, really? Well, you know what? I really like it. Like, I, I guess I'm just drawn to it. And she's like, well, how much is that? And Luann's like, oh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't matter so much. If only, if only I could just be like, that's not the issue here is of what I want to buy is how much it costs. Damn rich people. So we're back with Jill. Um, Jill explains that in her social circle Halloween has become a very big deal and she actually gets anxiety about what she's going to wear like months before. So she's called her friend Patrick um, who is a fashion designer and he's going to design a costume for her. She has like it's going to be a Halloween party pet costume party pet event that may be related to a charity. I don't I didn't write that I did write that down but I don't know if I wrote it down because I actually heard it or not I just think it's happening that makes sense right like a, a charity pet costume event um so Jill is going to be Elle Woods and she has a little chihuahua named Ginger and her chihuahua is going to be Bruiser Woods and so that's really cute like I support it um Patrick shows Patrick again the designer shows Jill the the doggy costume that he made for little ginger um and so they're trying they're trying to fit this dog into this costume and this poor dog like I don't know if Jill doesn't dress her dog up because I feel like you know if you like dress your dog up every single day from the time that it's a puppy I'm sure it doesn't give a fuck if you put clothes on it but if you don't ever dress your dog up and then you try and stick its little legs through some fabric it's not gonna like it and this dog is not liking it so the dog is like fighting them, is like growling and like biting at them as they're trying to shove its legs into this little like outfit and it's kind of funny. And then Jill tries to put on her her matching outfit. Um, so she has a blonde wig, she puts it on, she looks a hot mess. Um, they're also not at her home to do this. I guess they're at her her husband, herself. They own, I guess, a fabric school, a fabric store. Like there was an establishing shot before the scene that said they were at Zarin's Fabrics. Um, so they're at the fabric store and so she puts on her ugly ass wig and then like runs over to a mirror to check it. The first time I watched this, or I guess not even the first time, the second time because I was taking notes, I was so confused about what happened. So what happens is a man who's in a uniform says to her as she like runs over to the mirror, he's like, can I help you ma'am? And she's like, yeah, come help me with this wig. And I was like, does this guy not know who she is? Like, the building has her last name on it. Is he an employee who doesn't understand? And then I realized only later, because this man shows up in this same outfit later on uh, at, a, at a Halloween party, is that's her husband, Bobby, I'm pretty sure. 
and so she, you know, she, uh, Jill's in her Elle Woods, and her dog is is Bruiser, and her husband Bobby is dressed as a bellhop. I don't know why. And they're kind of talking about it at that point. They're saying like, oh yeah, he's going to be a bellhop or your your dog walker or something. But for some reason, he's in a bellhop outfit as his Halloween costume. Um, but then Jill gets her wig sorted out and she really likes her costume. She thinks it's very cute. There's a short, tiny little like pointless segment right here that was like just two 30 seconds, like in between two sets of commercials. Um, it's a Jill segment where it's Jill and her aunt Cookie and they're on her sister's radio show. Um, and her sister says that whenever Jill appears on her show, like her listeners love it and her show is downloaded an inordinate amount of times. An inordinate number of times. Something like that. That's it. That's all for that segment. <laughs> so then it cuts back to commercial and then when we come back, um, it's an Alex segment. So Alex and her husband Simon are meeting with a designer named Maggie Norris. Um, she's a fashion designer. I guess a few months ago Simon had gone to a gala event um, and saw a fashion show with clothes that were made out of recycled materials, which was supposed to benefit a charity for starving people. So he <laughs> decided to buy Alex, you know, a gift for, that he saw from the fashion show. It is a $7,000 couture corset made out of a burlap feed sack that says feed on it like across the belly and it is not cute it does look like a corset made out of a feed sack would look like um but Alex really loves it so they're there like trying it on she says that they're very adventurous when it comes to fashion and like not many men would buy their wives a gift that was something like this but she's so happy that Simon is that type of person and she loves it and she loves him. Uh, so she tries it on. They all love it like Simon and the designer like she's like oh my gosh it's gorgeous it's beautiful. I think it's the ugliest shit I've seen in my entire life but whatever. Um, Alex says that she she wants to wear it in as public a place as possible so she's going to like wear it to opening night at the opera um and then maggie the designer says that it took that shit took three weeks for her to make it looks like something that could have been made in three days three hours even on project runway like it legitimately looks like a project runway like you need to make something out of a potato sack <laughs> like that's what it looks like it's so ugly um what's really funny because this is a short little scene so like as it closes i'm like it's getting all mushy with alex and he's like oh you're my number one you're my one and only like they're still in the fashion designers shop um and then it just like the camera for like a little just one second cuts on this this image of the shop assistant standing there while simon is like mooning over alex and she just looks so bored and so over it and it was really funny so next we hop over to Ramona, uh, Ramona's condo on the Upper East Side. Um, Ramona tells us that one of her, her goals and ambitions for the past year has to have a line of jewelry appear on HSN. Um, so I guess she's created a line of jewelry and she um, needs some help from her husband Mario and her daughter Avery. She needs help videoing herself. She's gonna like present a piece of jewelry and send it into HSN so they can like, you know, check her screen presence and. I guess make sure that she's good to to do her her line presentation so she says that Avery makes her really nervous and Avery is like being a bitch right now Avery is 
like a director with a vision and she says that she is going to be the one who says action and she is going to like you know call the shots but then I guess we (laughs) this is just revenge or something because we get like a little flashback to an earlier episode or something from earlier this season or the previous season or something where Ramona and Avery it looks like they're sitting in a waiting room outside of an audition and they're running lines and Ramona is like snapping at Avery to sit go slower or going she's going too fast and I guess this is just like Avery's revenge like my turn to like be the bitch when it comes to this so Ramona launches into her intro and I think she does like a really good job honestly I don't really have any critiques she does have this one thing that she says where it's like oh if you gain five pounds you might not have like there might be a cute shirt that you you can't wear anymore but jewelry never doesn't fit or something like that which I was just like "Mm, hmm don't love it but whatever um but then at one point as she's going through it Avery like cringes and makes this face and then Ramona gets mad because like that threw her off um and so then Ramona has a talking head and she's like Avery's like me where she tells it like it is but she's more polite than I am which is a little bit of a yikes because at least in this scene maybe in like other episodes Avery is chill but in this scene Avery is like a bitch um so then eventually Ramona just kicks her out of the room because she's being too distracting and she tries it again and says she feels more relaxed already but then she also says like you know nine out of ten times I really trust her judgment and I like what she has to say but it was just you know I couldn't deal with her being too judgy of me right now and I, I appreciate um an adult that that recognizes and listens to their child's judgment all right, so then we pop back over to Alex. Um, we are at her house in Brooklyn. Alex and Simon are wearing witch hats, and they are sitting on their stoop and carving pumpkins with their kids and just, like, celebrating Halloween. It's cute. Um, they talk about how it's better living in a house in Brooklyn than living in Manhattan when it comes to having kids and how here, you know, the kids can actually go ha- home-to-home trick-or-treating and how in Manhattan you would just have to trick-or-treat in an apartment building. It's not the same. Simon's being cute with the kid. He's like, I was your age in 1967. Do you remember 1967? Do you remember then? She's cute. Um, And then Simon also talks a little bit. He's British, I'm pretty sure. He has an accent. It sounds British. I'm pretty sure they live in Australia now. But he doesn't sound Australian to me. But mm, I could be wrong. So I'm sorry if I fucked that all up. Um... Anyway, he's not American, and he says he's like came to America, I guess, like ten years ago, um, and says that it's nice, like having kids and doing all of these American traditions, and it's kind of like having the American childhood that he didn't have because you know Halloween isn't as big of a deal, I guess, in other parts of the world, or they don't have the same traditions of like trick or treating and things like that. And then they decorate the soup with Halloween decorations, and it's cute. It's nice. All right, so now we're getting more into the Halloween content of it all. I hope that you, uh, hope that it is worthwhile that we've made it halfway through this episode, halfway or more through this episode, and we're just now getting to the Halloween stuff. Um, but it's the pet costume party for Jill. So Jill arrives in her Elwood's costume. Um, and at this point I realized that she had her employee in the bellhop uniform there with her. So I was like, okay, that was, that was obviously just Bobby, but I was so confused until I saw him again in this moment. There are all sorts of dogs and costumes there. It's very quite delightful. Um, and then Ramona arrives. She's dressed as Robin Hood, and she brought her dog, who is also dressed as Robin Hood. 
you know, the famous team of Robin Hood and Robin Hood. Um, just like, why wasn't Little John? Come on. Also, it's kind of funny. Uh, Ramona is wearing a green fedora with the feather in it, not like a green Robin Hood, like the triangle-shaped hat. Um, but her dog has the correct triangle-shaped hat. But Ramona's wearing a fedora, and it's not great. <laughs> um, her dog is named Coco, by the way. I thought I should like let everyone all everyone should know all the dogs' names. The dog is Coco. Bethany is there as well. She is dressed as a roller girl from the 70s. So she's wearing like this matching red tube top and shorts. Um, and she has roller skates and like long, like knee-high socks. Um, she's wearing a blonde wig and she has sunglasses. She looks really cute. And her dog Cookie is her roller bitch, which I think she's wearing like a sparkly bandana or something. She did not put the dog in roller skates, thank God. Which would be hilarious though. Um... Ramona comes up to her she sees Bethany dressed as like her little like roller girl outfit and she is tickled fucking pink over this she starts laughing she is dying and she like says in a talking head that she like I started shrieking and stomping my feet I almost peed in my pants and laid on the floor I don't know why but she loved loved this roller girl costume uh, there's also a man named Brad there. He is dressed in a floral suit and he seems to be friends with the housewives. He definitely knows Jill. It seems like he's hanging out with Bethany and Ramona a little bit, but I don't like, I don't I don't fucking know who this guy is at all. Um, and so he grabs a um, a little hors d'oeuvre as it passes by off of the tray and eats it. And then Jill decides to troll him and tells him that the hors d'oeuvre was actually dog food, like for the puppies. Um, and so then Ramona, I guess, like overhears her and believes her and then just like starts to give some to the dog. And I guess Jill tries to stop her from giving it to the dog and she gets confused. And then and then she tells Ramona like, oh, no, it's it's actually people food. But I just want to mess with uh, Brad. But then Brad like hears her and he's like, OK, well, it's fine. Like even when she said it was dog food, he really wasn't bothered by it. He was just like, oh, OK, well, it tastes fine. So I'm not bothered by it. It's good dog food. So... She tried to bother him, but it really didn't do anything. And that was the end of the the pet party. <laughs> that was the end of that scene. Um, and so then the next scene is also Jill. It's This is a really stupid scene. It's like a setup for something that I guess happens later on in the season, so it's kind of pointless for me to talk about. But um, I guess Jill will be having some other charity event, and so she... It's going to a walkthrough of Hudson Terrace, which is a venue that offered its space for the event, but she just wanted to make sure before she accepts their offer that the event is nice, like, or that the space is nice. Um, so she goes with Bethany. They look through the space. It seems lovely. They talk about like the plans for the event, the menu. Bethany kind of complains in a talking head that Jill complains about every item on the vent menu. Um, and the only thing that everyone seems to be on board with, like every single person is on board with, is they're going to serve cookies and milk. All right, lovely. So then there's another quick little scene, too. That sh this one is just kind of interesting to me. Um, so it's Bethany meeting Alex for lunch because she wants to talk to her about her Skinny Girl logo. Um, so Alex, you know, they sit down and have lunch, and then Alex shows her the logo that she's designed so far, which is just like... A a picture of Bethany like it's just Bethany sitting there um Bethany seems very shocked by like how much she likes it like how much she's actually like impressed by it she thinks it looks just like her and she keeps saying that she's like oh my gosh it looks it looks exactly like me this is so good do I really look like that wow I'm so impressed I can't believe it this looks just like me 
Um, so then she tells Alex, like, well, I've been approached by a gentleman to do a line of skinny girl cocktails. So I thought that was kind of interesting because, like, was this was this the beginning of skinny girl cocktails? Like, this is this came from a world when, like, a world before skinny girl, which is something that I can hardly remember because there used to be a bottle of skinny girl cocktail that lived in my fridge that my stepmom, like, it was my stepmom's skinny girl. Like, it just, it was constantly there. I don't know if she just never drank it or if she really liked it and was constantly replacing it and I just never noticed, but... I remember Skinny Girl being at my house from like the time that we moved into our new house in fucking 2008 basically. So um, it's just kind of funny. She's like, oh yeah, he's approached me to do this line um, of cocktails. But also Bethany's like, oh, so I'm going to need a logo for the bottles. And so that'll like, it'll be a good business opportunity. And Alex is like, oh yeah, like that'll be great. But what what was the first skinny girl I don't I don't know I don't know the whole story the history I'm no skinny girl historian um but to me skinny girl is so like it's the cocktails like that's what I associate it with so what what was it first like what what was Alex making this logo for anyway before like the cocktails were even on the table that's my question that's what I want to know so if you know, I'm sure it. I'm sure I can like find it. I just had to Google Bethany Frankel's fucking name, but I'm not going to. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, Bethany's just happy. She says that she likes Alex and that Alex gets her sense of humor, um, and that Kelly Ben Simone does not get her sense of humor. So speaking of Kelly Ben Simone, uh, we are at the Dream Hotel. It is time for Kelly's Halloween party. So we get a Luann voiceover and she tells us that tonight is Hel- Kelly's Halloween party and that all of the girls are going to be there. <sighs> Luann is wearing a costume that would not fly in 2019. I would hope that people know better in 2019 than to wear this costume. But she's wearing some kind of like stylized, sexy short dress that's like Native American inspired sort of print and fringe. I don't know if it's supposed to be like just generic Native American or like a sexy Inuit kind of thing because she had on boots and like a fur coat at one point or maybe she's just chilly because it's end of October in New York City um but yeah she's wearing some like Native American appropriated bullshit that you shouldn't wear um Bethany is wearing her roller girl costume again which I noticed immediately and I kind of like thought like oh she's she's an outfit repeater but then she even says, um, she like says in her voiceover, they're like, it's a recession. I don't need four costumes. And I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I do respect that. Maybe the BBC should have interviewed you about your thoughts on the economy instead of Jill. Uh, that guy Brad is there again. He's also in the same floral suit, which is not a costume, unless it's a reference to something that I don't get. Maybe I'm just being uncultured, but it just seems like he's wearing like kind of a, a peppy suit. Um, but Brad says that they've switched sunglasses. So like that's, that's how they've changed their costumes up. Um, so Bethany's there, Luann's there. The Halloween party looks like a fucking shit show. It's super crowded. There's people in like the hallways everywhere. It's like a bunch of people crowding around. Luann and Bethany don't know anyone there. They say it's like a bunch of random people. They're really also, they're really pissed because it's a cash bar. So they have to pay for their drinks, which they just think is bullshit. Um, Bethany is also extra salty because apparently like earlier in the season or previous season or what have you, um, there's just like a flashback that we get right now. 
Uh, Kelly would not lend her name to some like charity event that was supposed to be like an arthritis benefit and we see like a flashback of Kelly just being like yeah I'm sorry I just really don't lend my name to anything and Bethany's like oh so you'll lend your name to this like shitty Halloween party but not to an event that's going to help people with arthritis Mm -hmm, I see how it is um so yeah Luann and Bethany are looking for Kelly but she's not there uh I guess it's like been an hour and a half since the start of the party and she still hasn't shown up um so Bethany is telling Luann that she's like, well, I told Jill not to come. I told her that there's a cash bar. I told her that, that Luann's or not, that Kelly's not even here. And then Luann says that she's upset because she had a bunch of parties that she was invited to. Naturally, she has a very full social calendar. Um, but yeah, she had a, a bunch of parties and she like could be at those other parties instead. That she came here because she wanted to support Kelly and she's not even there. So Jill and Bobby show up for the party. Um, Jill has switch costumes. She's in this like elaborate Marie Antoinette costume with a purple wig and Bobby is dressed as apparently Napoleon but someone says he's too tall to be Napoleon. Um, and Jill says you know it was a party or no it was a pain getting down to the party just like New York City being crowded on Halloween but you know she's she's a girl of her word and she told Kelly that she'd be there so she wanted to drop by and support her. So they go into the party um also Bethany like you know she's like oh I love Jill's costume and she describes it as like it's like a big Shirley Temple or Little Bo Peep thing which was just incorrect on on two accounts um so Jill gets in and Bethany like you know she like compliments her costume and like immediately after that accosts her about everything that's going wrong about the party so she complains about the cash bar and how Kelly isn't there and specifically she's like well Luann even like didn't go to one of her other parties because she wanted to come here and say hi and it's like Bethany you don't need to complain on Luann's behalf she can complain for herself thank you so then Jill's talking uh she has a little talking head where she says um when she showed up and Kelly wasn't there and she went to get a soda and it was a cash bar she was pissed um so Jill Luann and Bethany all squawk about how rude it was for Kelly to not show up to her party an hour and a half into it and then Alex and Simon arrive uh they are dressed they are dressed as Sarah Palin and Simon is well they both aren't Sarah Palin Alex is Sarah Palin and Simon is a moose which is really funny um also really dated definitely places you in the time but Alex even says like in a, a voiceover at one point that they were they were not the only Sarah Palin and Moose couples costume that they saw that night but they were the best um it's just funny that like how many people like it's such a 2000 Halloween 2008 how many fucking people dressed as Sarah Palin I bet so many people so Simon says that you know um Halloween is great for kids but it's in New York City it's also a wonderful night for adults and they had like four or four four or five parties that night that they were going to go to and they left one early of course because they wanted to go to Kelly's but of course Kelly wasn't there so they're not happy um also just a side note on their their Halloween costumes Bethany says in a talking head that she thought they were supposed to be Rocky and Bullwinkle and that someone messed up one of their costumes which is kind of funny um and for a second I think for like a split second I also thought that they were supposed to be Rocky and Bullwinkle because wasn't there like that one like Russian woman who was like the villain in Rocky and Bullwinkle I don't know I'm not super familiar with the show but I thought that maybe that's like the woman that Alex was dressed as and then he was obviously the bull Bullwinkle the moose bull bull moose whatever the fuck I'm trying to say you know what I mean um anyway I I was with I was with Bethany on that 
So then Alex says that the party was just kind of dark and frat party-ish, which is exactly the vibe. Like, she nailed that one. I remember going to a shitty Halloween party at a frat, and this is exactly what it looked like. Just crowded and shitty and too many people and just, like, too many drunk people in one spot. Um, So they didn't like it. They tried calling Kelly on her cell phone, but, like, no one can get a hold of her. And Simon goes that they were all fashionably late, but Kelly was unfashionably late. So they decide to leave since Kelly isn't there. Everyone leaves to go to their next parties and, you know, enjoy their night. And Bethany, of course, is really extra salty. So she's outside the party and she's kind of like doing an interview with a camera going off about how Kelly thinks that she's just the queen of fabulosity and she thinks that she's better than everyone, but she's not. And she like, she kind of ends it like it's kind of a killer mic drop moment she just says she's like you know but roller girl doesn't care and she just skates away like very skillfully bethany can actually skate quite well so it was kind of funny just to see her skate away after that so once everyone is good and gone kelly shows up for her party um and we get like what I interpret as our second Elle Woods reference of the episode. Um, So she's wearing a black Playboy Bunny Halloween costume, but she didn't fully commit to it because she's not wearing the Playboy Bunny ears. She's just wearing like a black ribbon in her hair, but she's wearing like the bunny costume. Um, She says in a talking head, she admits it at least. She's like, I was late to my own party, really late to my own party. Um, And she says it's because she had to do Halloween with her kids and then she had to get ready and it takes an hour and a half to get ready but just like communicate with your friends so that they know what's going on like texting existed at this time you could definitely shoot them a text and be like hey by the way I'm gonna be I'm gonna actually be at my party around 10 I know you guys have a lot of of other things you're planning to do tonight so just wanted to let you know so we could coordinate come on bitch um she also like comments on (laughs) she comments on her outfit she's like you know, it's really fun and flirty, but, like, I'm a mom, so I didn't want to go over the top. So I was just like, oh, naturally, that's why you didn't include the ears. That would have pushing it, that would be pushing it over the top. Not that there's anything wrong with, like, being a mom and being sexy and wearing a Playboy bunny costume. I just thought it was funny. She's like, I didn't want to be over the top, but, like, the one thing that she didn't include was just, like, the ears. Um, so Kelly gets to the party, and she, like, walks around, and she can't find anyone. It's just kind of saying, like, oh, where is everyone? Um, I guess she also says something about how you can't fit a Blackberry in a bunny costume. Um, so I guess kind of alluding to the fact that she didn't have her cell phone on her, which is why no one could get a hold of her and why she didn't, like, let anyone else know. But, like, there, she showed up with, like, three men on her arms, so one of them had a cell phone that they could have like called someone and let them know that they were running late she just didn't care I'm pretty sure um but she does say like in her last little talking head that she says she was upset when she got there and saw that everyone wasn't there which at first I interpreted to me like upset as an angry and I was gonna get real pissed like you dumb bitch you were so late you were like two hours late and you're gonna be mad but then she said oh, you know, I just felt really bad that everyone had been waiting for me. So that's good that she at least says that she felt bad, but a bitch didn't care. So whatever, Kelly. And then the episode just ends really abruptly right there. Like there's no really good resolution of anything that happens. 
I kind of wish that the whole Kelly Ben Simone late party arrival scene had happened in the middle of the episode so that maybe there had been some like drama or fallout or whatever we would have gotten it in this episode but it doesn't even show up on the like next week on Real Housewives so maybe no one says anything about it ever again I don't know but that's the end of the episode as it is um so I didn't really do a where are they now I did but I didn't really do it right because as I was going through this I realized that I should have done Victoria too I did a where are they now for Avery because she showed up in that one scene but Victoria was in two scenes and I didn't do one for her so you know I'm I'm just not gonna talk about it because I don't really care what these kids are up to probably going to college and graduating and and doing well for themselves they're from very wealthy families I'm sure they're doing fine um and so we're not gonna do a where they at now since we did that in the first Real Housewives of New York episode um and we're not gonna do an a does it hold up or like is it worth a rewatch because we also already did that what we are gonna do is what are the dated references? Because, you know, that's kind of something I touch on when uh, I do the does it hold up. Um, so, of course, I talked about, like, Sarah Palin and the Moose being a dated reference. Like, really 2008 kind of moment. Um, but another thing that I noticed was Mario, when he is filming, <laughs> when he's filming Ramona, her little, like, jewelry presentation, real, whatever, he's not doing it on, like, a cell phone which of course is kind of what you would naturally think of now when you're thinking of just like shooting a quick video of someone he has like a big ass camcorder which is just really funny because you don't like when's the last time you've seen someone pull out a camcorder to record something like and it's a big one with one of like the fold-out screens where you like watch it back so that was like the other piece of dated technology uh the reference to the blackberry that like even took me a second when she's like you can't fit a blackberry in a bunny costume I didn't know what that meant I thought that was almost like a reference to like her body but then I was like oh no she means the fucking cell phone um and then a world without skinny girl cocktails like that's a dated reference to me it's like a world that existed before like Bethany's skinny girl empire so those are those are the the dated references that I caught there are probably a couple more that I wasn't really thinking of as I was taking my notes and it was only like in retrospect that I was like oh I want to write these down but um, those were the ones that I thought that I thought was kind of funny to talk about and that's how I thought I'd end this episode since I don't have like the full background and the full where are they nows and everything else. So that's it. I mean I almost got a full hour out of this so you know what? Good for us. Good for me. Good for you and for me. <laughs> um, so if you like this podcast please subscribe. Uh, give it a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Google all those other wonderful places uh, I would really appreciate it it would be lovely to see some more reviews come in um, if you want to follow me I am on Facebook at snapback to reality podcast I'm on Instagram at snapback to reality pod or if you want to follow my personal Instagram I am at really underscore Riley or you can email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com Otherwise, I will talk to you guys next week. Um, If everything goes according to plan, next week should be a fun, cool episode. Um, But, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, we won't promise anything yet. Uh, But otherwise, I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye!